Stay away from that house. Don't go down that road at night. Keep out of the woods. So many urban legends and pieces of folklore seem to concentrate on a single location. A warning to avoid that area at all costs. As if a dark, otherworldly presence was tethered to the land itself. And for those that fear the supernatural, this containment offers a sense of relief. You're safe, as long as you heed those words. Steer clear of those places. But what if the evil wasn't bound to a particular spot? What if that evil could get you at any time, any place? Would that make you second-guess stepping out your front door? Turning down that all-too-familiar road? Going camping in the dark? What if evil had no rules? Only the intent to decimate the living. I'm Aaron Sauerland, and this is Campfire Stories. Tonight, we're very excited to have Dustin Little with us around the fire. Dustin, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Dustin. I live in L.A., and I'm a screenwriter, and I'm originally from Mesa, Arizona. What's, uh, what's, what's Arizona like? Tell, tell it for the people who don't know um, the United States. It's desert, and we have, like, pine forests in the north around Flagstaff pretty mountainous and of course the Grand Canyon's up there and then you have mesas like flat mesas like in the mountains and you have flatter areas where farming is done and there's a lot of ranches out there Mm. we have our fair share of spooky places and ghost towns too Mm -hmm, yeah I bet there's a hotel up on a hill in a tiny little mining town that was built on like a extreme like slope sloping mountain so the the town is built on kind of like a sidewinding treacherous road up the hill and at the top there's this haunted hotel that used to be an asylum oh my god i love that that's terrifying my friends and i used to um hike up a mountain called south mountain at night which was closed but uh we found a way in and uh just looking out over the city lights down below and like hearing the the coyotes on the outskirts between us and the city really um was very spooky yeah and so your story tonight it's uh it's interesting for us because uh it's not actually about mesa per se right yeah it's more so the entire state or actually the territory at the time interesting well why don't we hop right into it Dustin, take us over to Arizona. Tell us the story of the Red Ghost. As I said, this isn't necessarily a story about Mesa, Arizona, where I grew up. But um, this is the legend of a figure that was kind of prevalent all over the territory. And the figure was the Red Ghost which apparently was a mysterious writer 
atop a bloodthirsty giant beast that roamed the frontier and trampled and ate people. And um, it all began on a remote ranch in uh, 1883. So these two ranchers that are in kind of the southeast region of the territory suspect that a band of Apache have been decimating their cattle. So they decide to go out, and I guess they're out for quite a while to check on their cattle. And while they're out, their wives and children are left at home alone on the ranch. So one of the wives is in the house doing housework, and she hears the dogs outside go crazy. They're spooked by something, barking up a storm. And this is followed by a blood-curdling scream. So she runs to look out, and out in her yard, she sees what she describes as a huge reddish-colored beast ridden by a devilish-looking creature. She's terrified. She slams and locks the door. She doesn't know what she just saw. But she and the kids hide in the house and just wait until her husband returns. Mm -hmm. So when the two men return at dusk, they find the ranch deadly quiet. It's dark, pitch black. Everybody's boarded up inside. But there's one lifeless body on the ground outside. And as they approach, they find that it's the other wife, the wife of the second rancher that was out there. And she's been trampled to death by something. So they're devastated. And the next morning, they set out to follow the tracks of this beast. And it's these huge cloven hoof prints that are way too big to be any kind of horse or mule or anything they've ever seen. They have no idea what to expect when they find it. So they ride all day and all night. They're getting exhausted. The prints are disappearing, and it seems like they're not going to find anything. And all they end up eventually finding is a tuft of the red, coarse hair that the rancher's wife said the thing was covered in. So that was the kind of initial establishing of this murderous figure that's out there. Not long after this... There's a group of prospectors camped out in the middle of nowhere. There's several miles of barren desert between where they are now and where the first incident happened at this ranch house. Mm -hmm. And they're awoken in the dead of night by screams and the sound of hooves trampling. Something huge is tearing through their tents. And it's pure chaos until the figure goes riding off into the night and the next day, they find the same cloven hoof prints and red hair scattered all over the camp, and nobody knows what to make of it. So the rumor of the red ghost spreads quickly across the whole territory, and uh, stories like this continue for, like I said, about a decade. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, as word-of-mouth stories tend to do, they get exaggerated more mm -hmm. and more each time. So. Yeah. Certain accounts of this beast say that it was 30 feet tall and toppling stagecoaches. And someone says that it uh, killed and ate a grizzly bear, or that when they chased it, it vanished into thin air. Wow. Which I guess is, I'm assuming, where the ghost part of the red ghost comes from. 
But anyway, no matter how outlandish and different these stories become, they all seem to agree on one thing. The beast is saddled with this mysterious, silent rider. Then there's this one major run-in. This other group of prospectors encounters the Red Ghost on the Verde River, which is like practically halfway across the state from where it was first sighted. And they're shooting at the thing, it gets spooked, it runs off, and as it's riding away into the distance, one of the guys takes aim and fires and shoots the head clean off of this mysterious rider, and the beast just runs off. Wow. And as they approach the head on the ground, they're horrified to find that it's a human skull with bits of flesh and hair still attached. Stories like this persist. And then finally, in 1893, which is 10 years after the Red Ghost trampled its first victim, a farmer spots a feral, red-haired animal grazing in his tomato patch, and he just calmly gets his Winchester rifle, and he goes out into his garden, and he kills the thing with one shot. And now is when everyone realizes that the red ghost that they've been terrified of for so long is just a huge rogue camel with a human skeleton strapped to its back. So that's the story of the red ghost. Wow, that is that's crazy. What an insane piece of folklore. Yeah. I really love this story because even though it's one of those legends that did eventually find its grounded explanation, mm-hmm. it still is intriguing to me as any kind of Jersey Devil or Bigfoot character because if you imagine it in the context of the time period when these frontiersmen had never seen anything like this animal, they're already living in a tumultuous new way of life, Mm -hmm. and here's this giant bloodthirsty beast that's going to come and trample your wife if you don't keep an eye on her. It's, (laughs) you know? Yeah. uh, No wonder they thought it was a demon. Yeah, someone back then seeing a camel had to have been a crazy experience on its own. Um, But then you add in that it's a killer camel in Arizona of all places. (laughs) Definitely. It's, It's so foreign, and that's why it was so uh, scary and unexpected because no one would have expected to see this here. Yeah, you you bring up a good point of, like, why was a camel in Arizona in the first place? Well, this is where the legend ends and true facts begin. This is recorded in the annals of American history. Um, in the early 1800s, during all the Manifest Destiny stuff, westward expansion... There was all this new land that we had to find a way to cart cargo through. And mules would die of thirst and horses couldn't make it. And so there were all these propositions to use camels. Mm-hmm. And so the U.S. military formed an experimental camel corps that was hugely successful. The camels adapted perfectly to the environment. And for a while, it seemed like everything was on course and... Camels were going to replace mules as the pack animal of choice, except timing got in the way. 
because the Civil War happened and the entire project was abandoned. So the United States military has almost 100 camels with nothing to do with, and they try and sell them off. The rest they just let go. And because they're so, so well adapted to the environment of the southwestern part of the United States, they just go on living. And that's uh, what the Red Ghost was. Wow. Why a dead man was strapped to it, nobody really knows. There's lots of conjecture. Uh, it's possible it was a soldier of the Camel Corps learning how to ride it. Uh, the camel got spooked and ran off, and he just died of thirst out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard that it was a prospector who was dying of thirst and strapped himself to the camel, thinking hopefully it would lead him to water, and evidently didn't make it in time. <laughs> yeah, yikes. You know, it makes you wonder, though, if like if the camel ever returned as a real supernatural like beast. Like, the people of Arizona kept seeing the red ghost after it was shot dead. I'd be curious. It makes me want to go red ghost hunting. Ah. Uh. That'd be amazing. You know, like, go out to Arizona, go camp in the desert, go hunting for hoof prints. I will make that mockumentary with you. <laughs> okay, deal. So I, uh, I guess we'll start to close up. Um, where can people find you online? If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at DKLittle10. Um, but don't expect to hear much from me. Yeah, you don't often use it. No, I don't. It, kind of intermittently. Anyway, well, thank you so much for joining us around the fire, man. I, I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me and letting me spin my yarn. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It, it really is a spooky, uh, different taste for the show, and uh, it makes me excited to hear what other kind of stories we're going to hear from Arizona. All right. Well, I hope it uh, influences your nightmares for the next several months. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. Tonight's charity shout-out is the Alzheimer's Association. This is a great organization that conducts global research, as well as provides resources for families that may have a loved one suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, they focus on risk reduction, early detection, and more. My father, unfortunately, suffers from the disease, and I've seen the impact it has on him and my family firsthand. An organization like the Alzheimer's Association is a really great charity, and they're very transparent. So if you're looking to support a great cause and help the over 6 million people suffering from this disease, you can check them out at www.alz.org. And I'll, uh, of course, leave a link in the show notes. This episode of Campfire Stories was produced by me, Aaron Sauerland, with music by Brandon C. Stanley. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at campfirestories underscore podcast to keep up with new episode drops and more exclusive content.